such powerful words that song says because it's not about whether there's money in our bank. It's not about whether all of our dreams are being fulfilled. It's not about whether our life is going according to our plan because we worship God in spite of our circumstances because if we love God, our circumstances are not going to affect the level of worship that we give to God. I am also very thankful for this opportunity, and I appreciate Bishop and Sister Jackson and Sister Ruth and Sister Hannah so much, and not just because and because that in a time when so many churches are discarding truth. This is a family that is standing for truth. But I'm also just so thankful for the prayers and the support that you guys have provided. From when Mel got sick until since he passed away, his words won't adequately just express how much it has meant to me. I was hoping that all of the tears I cried when I was preparing my message at home would mean I wouldn't cry up here, but that's not obviously what's going to happen. So um, tonight I want to look at just a couple of scriptures in Ruth and If I had to title the message, it would be, Is God the God of Your Life? And um, we can start in just Ruth chapter 1. And I will just say I do not know how to pronounce any of the husband's names, so I'm going (laughs) to skip over them. Um, When we read the Bible at home, Malachi, he notices when I pronounce them different than I had pronounced them before. So I just pronounce them how I feel at that moment. That's what it's supposed to be. And Malachi's like, that's not what you said the last time you read it. So glad he's not in here right now because he might say it. So um, so Ruth chapter 1, verse 1, um, in the days when the judges, and I'm, I guess I could read from up there because I have a different version. So now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled, that there was a famine in the land, and a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to dwell in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was, and the name of his wife was Naomi, and the names of his two sons were of Bethlehem, Judah, and they went to the country of Moab and remained there. I'm not going to try to pronounce them, so. So verse 3. Um, then Naomi's husband died and she was left and her two sons. Now they took wives of the women of Moab. The name of the one was Orpah and the name of the other Ruth. And they dwelt there about 10 years. Then both also died. So the women survived her two sons and her husband. And I'll stop there. Um, the Bible doesn't state 
the emotions that Ruth experienced as a result of losing her husband. And sometimes when we read scripture, um, we read it so quickly. And when you look at Ruth, it's a very short book. I mean, very short book of the Bible. And sometimes you could just read through it. And we, I think at times we, um, don't think that the people that we're reading about experience the same emotions and feelings that we experience today. But when you look at the Bible and just, I'm not going to read all these scriptures, but I want to just explain that grief is talked a lot about in the Bible. Um, when you look at Hannah, when she was unable to conceive, it says that she was deeply distressed and she wept bitterly. When you look at the Shunanite woman, I know we talk a lot that she declared all is well, but when she went to, um, the prophet Gehazi, he saw her, and um, she, the prophet was like, leave her alone because she's in bitter distress. When you look at Mary, when her brother died, um, it talks about how Jesus saw her weeping. When you look at um, David, when he lost his son, the one that he had with Bathsheba, like it talks about when he was sick, just like how um, he didn't eat, and he was um, in just distress. And so you can see from the Bible that the emotions that we experience today are the emotions that were experienced in the past. And so while we can't, it doesn't say how Ruth felt when she lost her husband, we can um, take from just the examples I gave you that Ruth experienced the same emotions that we experience when loss comes in our life. And um, I wanted to just share what it's been like since I lost my husband because um, another verse that I'm going to read in Ruth, I feel like it'll make that verse a lot more powerful. And uh, I guess depending on how much I start crying right now, it'll depend on how much I share. But I will just say if there was one word to describe what the last 17 months has been like, it's been excruciatingly painful. There are no words to describe how much it hurts when your spouse dies. And I know he's in heaven, and I rejoice that he's in heaven, but that doesn't really diminish the pain I feel as a wife who lost her husband, or even more so the pain I feel as a mother whose two children lost their dad. In an instant, our entire life changed. And in an instant, we changed. And if I'm being honest, I have probably cried every single day since he died. There are the tears that just, you know, come when I'm making dinner and I'm not making something that he liked. Or when it's the evening and he's not coming through the door after work. Or even just when I sit here and he's not on the platform anymore. Then there are those tears that come where you, like, can't even breathe because they're so deep and they don't stop. And you feel as though your heart and your life has been just shattered into a million pieces. There are no words to describe just what it's like. And I think sometimes because we've all experienced the death of someone, 
And when they're not so intimately close to you, like your life goes on as it should because they weren't so connected to you. But when it's somebody who is intimately connected to you, your life does not go on. It completely changes. And I say all of that because the emotions that I'm feeling and the not understanding why God didn't heal him on earth are probably the emotions that Ruth felt as well. And this is why the next verse I'm going to read is so powerful because Ruth 1.16 says, and this was after Naomi urged her daughter-in-laws to go back to their family. Ruth says, and I'll just read it. You don't have to put it up. But Ruth 1.16 says, but Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Ruth had lost her husband. Her heart was in pain. The future that she thought she was going to lead was taken from her. She didn't understand, but she said, your God is going to be my God. And this is so powerful because Ruth was not an Israelite. We see that Orpah went back to her home and she went back to the gods that she used to serve. But Ruth was saying, I'm going to serve your God and he's going to be my God. And we see in scripture where others who are not Israelites gave God glory. Um, We see this when Daniel was um, thrown into the lion's den, King Darius afterwards. And this is Daniel chapter 6. King Darius basically is giving Daniel's God glory because he saved Daniel from the lion's den. And so we see in cases where something powerful took place, people who were not Israelites were giving God glory. But in Ruth's case, something powerful did not take place. Something devastating took place. Something heartbreaking took place. Something that was just like beyond what she probably ever imagined for her life took place. But she said, the God of your life is going to be the God of my life. And it's something that we need to take because we cannot control what takes place in our life. And there are going to be a lot of things that take place in our life that we do not understand. And this isn't to say that we deny the pain that we are in. It doesn't mean that we put this mask on and we act like everything is okay. We can acknowledge the pain. We can acknowledge the hurt. We can even acknowledge that we don't understand Um. My daughter, she does not have a filter on her mouth. And so I'm actually kind of thankful for that sometimes because she will just ask me questions that a lot of times in church we're taught we're not supposed to ask, you know, and she's not questioning God. She's asking from the perspective of a six-year-old girl who just lost her dad. And she'll say, I don't understand why God didn't heal him. And I don't have the answers because I don't understand either. But I never tell her, you can't ask those questions because those are questions that are understandable because she doesn't understand just as much as we don't understand why certain things take place in life. And so there's a difference about asking a question of God from a sincere heart and questioning God. And 
It's okay to ask God a question from a sincere heart because there are people in here who are hurting and who are in pain. And maybe you haven't been asking God questions because you feel that means that you have a lack of trust or you have a lack of faith or your relationship with God is not as strong as it should be. But God is not offended when we go to him with the questions from a broken heart. So there's a lot in life that we are not going to understand. And while we cannot control what takes place in our life, we can control our reaction to what takes place in our life. Ruth had a choice and she could have went back to the gods of her family, but she said, no, my choice is um, Naomi, your God is going to be my God. And that's the choice that we have to make as well. For my own life. Like I said, I don't understand a lot about what is taking place. I don't understand why God didn't heal Mel on earth. And like I said, I know in heaven, like that's where the ultimate healing is. I know that he's not complaining because he's in heaven. Um, I know all of that. I also know that just from the perspective of a wife and a mother, I still would have preferred the healing to take place on earth. But I have a choice in how I'm going to react. And I choose not to get bitter just because God didn't heal him on earth. I choose not to walk away from God just because I don't understand why he allowed things to take place. I choose not to let my circumstances of being a widow and an only parent to convince me that God doesn't care about me. I choose not to let resentment grow in my heart because others have what I used to have. I choose not to stop praising God just because I don't like my situation. Because when you make God the God of your life, you don't let your feelings control your actions. You trust in God in spite of what you are feeling. There have been times, and I almost didn't want to share this part because I don't want someone to think within their head, well, maybe I'm not praying the way I should. But there have been times where I've gone to God with just such sorrow. And when I was done praying, I still felt so much sorrow times where I've gone to him so broken and I've gotten up from praying still feeling so broken times where it just hurts beyond words can even explain and when I was done praying it still hurt beyond what words could explain but the thing is I did not let my feelings stop me from going to God because I continue to go to God I continue to believe that even though I may not feel it right now, I know that God is comforting. And even though my heart may still feel broken, I know that God is putting it together. And even though I may be in as much pain as I was when I started praying, I know that as time goes on, God is going to heal that pain. So I didn't let how I was feeling control what I was going to do because my feelings were saying God 
God is not comforting you. But that is not the truth because even though we don't feel it, that doesn't mean that God is not doing it. When God is the God of our life, we don't let our circumstances dictate the level of praise and worship that we offer to God. Because this scripture tells us to rejoice always. It doesn't say just rejoice when you have the job that you want. Rejoice when everything is going according to plans. Rejoice when everything you've ever wanted comes to pass. It says rejoice always. So rejoice even though your husband didn't make it. Rejoice even though you're a widow. Rejoice even though you're an only parent. Rejoice always. And when you love God the way that Sister Neil shared, then you can rejoice always because your circumstance is not going to control you. You're rejoicing always because you know the God who created this earth because he called you by name because you're walking with him. And so your circumstances are not going to dictate the level of praise and worship. With money in the bank, you're going to praise him the same way with you don't have money in the bank. When your prayers are not being answered in the timeline, you want them to be answered. You're still going to praise God just like you praised him when everything was falling into place because your circumstances don't control your level of praise when God is the God of your life. Even if you don't think your situation is ever going to change, when God is the God of your life, you stay committed We see in the Bible, Elizabeth and her husband, they got to the point where biologically they could not have children. It was impossible. And so they didn't know that the angel was going to come to them and tell them they were going to have a a child. But the Bible says that they were righteous. So they got to the point where the thing that they prayed so much for, they didn't think it was going to come to pass. But they still served God because they weren't serving him based on what he could do for them. They were serving him because he was God. I wanted the healing to take place on earth. I didn't want my husband to die. I didn't want to have to raise two children without a dad. But I'm committed to God, and so it doesn't matter that God didn't heal my husband the way that I wanted him to heal him. I'm committed to serving God. I'm committed to living God for God. I'm committed to praising God because my circumstance and the thing that I desired so much, even though it didn't come to pass, that doesn't affect my relationship with God because he is still God. Our timetable is not God's timetable. There are times when we feel that God is not working 
the, in the, the time frame that we want him to work. And so we start to get frustrated. We start to take things into our own hands. We start to rationalize and reason and say, well, maybe this is what God wanted. But even if it doesn't look like your situation is changing, even if it doesn't look like what you've been praying for and that you desire so much is going to come to pass soon, you stay committed to God. You continue to walk on the path. You continue to serve him. You don't let bitterness grow in your heart. You don't let resentment grow in your heart. You don't let anger or jealousy grow in your heart. when God is the God of your life, you allow his light to shine through you in even the most difficult times. When Mel was in the hospital for the last time, I knew it was going to go one of two ways. I knew God was either going to heal him on earth And then God would use Mel here to share his testimony of God's healing. Or I knew it would be me holding the microphone and declaring how God was still good, even though he didn't perform the healing on earth. Because even though we don't have control of our situations, we control how we react to those situations. So I'm not going to just let God use me when my life is going great. I'm going to let God use me even in the most difficult times. Because through this difficult situation, God is revealing how he strengthens when you feel so weak. He's revealing how he can piece together what feels so broken. He's revealing how he truly is the father to the fatherless. He's revealing how he is the defender of the widow. I would have preferred the healing to take place on earth. But I'm not going to just sit on a pew. I'm going to allow God's light to shine through me through this difficult time. When God is the God of your life, you will make it through any trial. It's not going to defeat you. It's not going to destroy you. And God can use it to mold you and to draw him closer to you and you develop a more intimate relationship with him. And so as I come to a close, I want to just return to that scripture in Ruth where she said, your God is going to be my God. And maybe... There have been some situations that you're facing. Maybe you are tired because you've been in a battle for so long. Maybe the trials that you're going through has kind of affected the love that you have for God. 
But tonight we need to commit that, God, you're going to be the God of my life. And even when difficult times come, you're still going to be the God of my life. And even when I don't understand, you're still going to be the God of my life. And even if I wanted things to take to another ending to happen than the one that I'm seeing in front of me, you're still going to be the God of my life. you could all stand as we're coming to a close. We sang some very powerful songs tonight. We sang, I surrender. When you surrender in a battle, you're giving up and you're saying, okay, I'm not the winner. And we need to surrender to God as well. We need to give up our will. We need to give up our desires. We need to give up the plan that we have created for our life. And we need to say, okay, God, Whatever you allow to take place, whether good or whether bad, I surrender. And I'm going to worship you in the good, and I'm going to worship you in the bad, because you are God. And we can just pray for a little bit and reach out to God, so that he can continue to be the God of our life, and that he will guide us, and he will lead us, and he will direct us. Every step that you want me to take, I trust in you, God.